Hi, this is Beatrice. Rebecca and I wanted to remind you that if you love us as much as we love you, you can support us via Patreon. Please check out our page at patreon.com forward slash podcast to find out what delightful extras could come your way, such as bonus episodes, notes on what we're thinking about between recordings, and the opportunity to ask us anything. Go on, have a look at patreon.com forward slash podcast. Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I am very well, considering considering that it's freezing, <laughs> which I feel is a personal affront to me. Oh, um, it is. Yeah. No, I it's mean... so unfair. <laughs> I know. Us with our... Our terrible issues we're having to bear. Yeah. Like it's rather chilly today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is too cold. Coda is not happy about it either. I think it's an affront to you and Coda. Yeah, I feel um, for him. I mean, luckily he got a very, very big fleecy blanket for Christmas. So another I think one. You should, another, well, <laughs> there can never be too many blankets for Coda. No, that's true. You know, so he's still got his cotton wool one that's the favourite. But this new one produces, like, levels of happiness you've never seen, that he just rises around in it because it's so soft and then lies on his back completely spark out. <laughs> so I would suggest you two get a... Yeah, that sounds like a... A right... big fleecy blanket and just yeah. give in to it. That that sounds very good. I should, really. What you about should. you? How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I got my nails done again yesterday, which is super fun. What are, yeah. what are they like now? Well, Beatrice, I showed my lovely manicure lady, Vicky. There's a cover of Vogue from 1935, which where you just see hands unwrapping a, well, on like on a gift. Mm. So there's like a beautiful, um, sort of deep blue and deep red, ribbony gift with little stars, and then her hands, and she's got the kind of classic 30s manicure where the half moons and the tips are white and the rest of the nail is red. Wow. And I'd been thinking about it and I said to Vicky, I'm not sure. And she's like, yes, let's do it. And it's, it's, it was so much fun having it done, like watching her doing it. That was super fun because it, I liked watching the layers evolve. Yeah. How many but, layers are there? Well, there's the undercoat, then two layers of red, then several layers of almond, so it's an off-white, mm. to get the correct opacity, and then a top coat. And um, to do the almond, does she just use the brush that comes in the... No, uh, she has special brushes. Uh, she because has a that's special what I... little stone mm. that she put some some on and then she paints it like a, a stone uh, like a like a pebbly gemstone thing? no oh. like a you know like you get coasters that are i can't think of the word of, of any crystals but like not rose quartz but that kind of thing oh okay wow it's like that kind of a thing and she puts the 
nail varnish on that and then she gets a super duper fine artist brush and does it with that amazing i know i'm obsessed yeah it's really fun because i've always been fascinated by that style of manicure when you see it in fashion photographs because i love the way it's kind of hyper natural or something mm, because it's completely true, yeah. mad in many mm. ways but you're kind of painting back with more intensity the look of a natural nail yeah or the so idea look of a natural nail yes my exactly. moons are not as amazing as others as moony yeah as moony as i would like <laughs> yeah. them yeah we'll get some painted on oh, yeah i i am i am using my little bamboo sticks but still that's oh. the least the part i least like about manicure but that but sounds it, wonderful it was really fun and it's really fun like because i've been writing so much over my sabbatical i've got really into having the manicures because it's fun seeing your fingernails flashing across yes. that but also it's fun like thinking this is the a 1930s look like obviously it's not because it's it's glossier and it's a gel and la la but just the idea the shape of the nails maybe would have been different yeah i mean also because i my nails because i i'm always messing about with different things i'm always breaking my nails off on different things so my nails aren't long so it, they would be longer ideally for 30s style a mm. but I just like the connection and thinking this is how a 30s woman saw her hand. Yes. Sort of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm enjoying that aspect a lot too. And I'll sh I'll have to send you the, the picture of the cover. Yes, please. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, we we went to the new Courtauld Galleries. Oh, and, what did um, you think? I still haven't been, ridiculously. I th I think I hadn't been for so long and I'd, I'd forgotten how many amazing things are there and I yeah, definitely want to go, go back. But um, weirdly, um, I what you just said reminded me of one of the earlier paintings. I think it's a Memling or is it Memling? Yeah. It's, it's a, a portrait of a man and he's got the most beautiful eye nails, uh, fingernails, eye nails. Oh, really? I don't know where that came from. And um, <laughs> they look like manicured. Um, he's really? holding wow. something, I think, in one hand. I think you only see one hand. And um, I really noticed it. And I saw, oh. I, I was sort of wondering. It made me wonder what they did in at that period yes, for their nails. I don't know. Mm. Because they've been adding, like, dyes and paints to nails, I think, since ancient times. Mm -hmm. That That's my very accurate historian yeah. <laughs> summary, did you like? <laughs> But no, I yeah. think the Egyptians did things and, mm. and, and various people have put henna on and that's all part of the family of manicure, isn't it? Mm. But I think like commercially available nail varnish is 1920s, isn't it? I should know a student, a lovely student called Kate Ford at the at the RCA did a dissertation that I supervised, but it's probably 20 years ago now on nail varnish. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know when nail varnish... Well, I think twenties is key because yeah. that's also when when wearing really obvious makeup becomes yeah. okay. Mm. Mm. So I'm sure there were manicures of different kinds mm. and, and polishes also, probably like little yes. powders you rub in or something. Oh yes, that's mm. an interesting thought. But I think like coloured nail varnishes become popular then. 
mm. and are quite I think you usually the moon is visible so I don't know if it's that they leave that bit ah, interesting. there or they mm. paint it in afterwards mm. and I think some quite dark you know like greens and, and colors not natural looking if you see what I mean mm. yeah this particular gentleman from the yes. 14th century, I think it is. It would be, wouldn't it? Or 15th? 15th. Yeah, 15th. 15th. He doesn't have nail varnish as far as I could see, but it, it, it looks like he had gone to a, you know, barber's and had his, had his wow. fingers. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if that was a thing then. Yeah. Something to explore. It is, because there's, there's a Carol Lombard, you know, I've been looking at her mm. And there's a Carol Lombard film called Hands Across the Table where she's a manicurist and all these, you know, the men in, from the hotel are coming, the guests are coming to get their manicures done. Yeah, and isn't Joan Crawford okay. in The Women? Isn't that what she is? Or maybe not. Maybe oh, she's, she's just at the beauty counter, counter. But maybe someone else does. I haven't seen that for years. Mm. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. But I want to see this memling now <laughs> Yeah. with his beautiful nails. Yeah, have a look at the nails when you see it. Oh, I will believe mm. me. That you know, <laughs> as an as an art historian, that will be the first thing I <laughs> you look at. Out. Yeah, hmm. I'm going to be looking much more at nails and all sorts of paintings now. Me too. Me too. At, yeah, gods and goddesses, and see what they're doing. Um, oh wow! I mean, surely they should have good manicures. Yeah, you'd think so. Mm. You would hope so. Yeah. I, you know, I feel this is another fantasy exhibition. <laughs> yes, <here>. actually. <laughs> Sponsored by. Oh, my God, yeah. yes. Yeah. Wow. That's very, very good. Yeah. And and also very, very good was us having fun watching the extra Stefalbala. Yes. Via Zoom. I'm so glad that worked. Yeah, me too. And thank you for sharing that. I, I, no, yeah, he's course. just so amazing. I love him so much. Yeah. He's just, I don't know, it's like he was one of the first sort of contemporary designers I really got into when I was in my early teens. And it, and obviously it was from the clothes, but then when I started to learn about him, he's just so lovely and so enthusiastic. Yeah. And it's I find it so joy. fascinating that he, he sort of, he sort of knows where things have come from. Um, yes. I mean, sometimes I think he sort of said that he that occurred to me later that it was from that. But mm. um, I thought that was that was well, oh, it, there were so many interesting things. There really were, and it, I mean, it was a really good DVD extra. Yes. First of all, because often DVD extras are quite dull, but it was so good, and I guess they must have reissued Fabala with the extra. Because of him doing, he did something. Is it it's not the, was it the Cinematheque Francaise? Yeah, or? I know. I mean, I was looking it up yesterday because I thought maybe I could get the DVD as well. And it's mm. yeah, it's from Studio Canal, and they reissued it um, last year as part of okay. this for this Cinemod exhibition at the Cinematheque. And when I was looking at the DVD, and I went to the Cinematheque website. And it's on for another week. And I was just almost uh, crying. I just thought, oh. oh, this is just so awful. Normally we would have gone. And, I, we would. And I really, really, I mean, they have a lot of films, I must say, on the website, a lot of extra bits you can look at. So that was nice. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah. And then there's another, I, they must have shown Falbala as part 
as part of the whole event season and there's a one hour interview with Jean-Paul Gaultier afterwards oh, after wow, he's just watched wow. it again I mean that's that's a wonderful thing that he you feel he's probably watched it you know 300 times in his life yes. and he's still as immersed in it and in love with the whole film yeah and I loved I loved what he said about how He'd already seen the Folie Bergère. They'd sort of been past, clearly, you know, he and his grandmother or mother had been past the Folie Bergère when he was little and he'd seen posters and had it explained to him. So he already had it in his head that he wanted to be part of creating these spectacles. Yes. And he dressed his teddy bear. Right? Yes, he put feather a feather headdress on his teddy bear. Fantastic. Mm. But that, which reminded me of Majela and his Barbie dolls. That's true. But then... But then I love that this film, it was like his epiphany that he suddenly realised all these elements could come together in being a fashion design. Mm. And and it's really interesting, like you say, he's he's very astute that he he kind of understands that his understanding of fashion was through film. So it was this fictionalised presentation of the fashion world, but one which is rooted in reality because of the connection to Russia to Marcel Rochas. Mm. So it's really interesting layers of real and fantasy that he's he's mm. sort of obsessed with. Yeah. In this other thing he also says that um first he said which I he probably said in what we watched but I missed it uh that he watched it for the first time on TV and I thought Oh, for some reason I thought that was interesting well. yeah and then yeah because um, you're seeing it small in small, your house exactly at home mm. and and then there was something about that he also often saw couture shows being not he said only couture ready to wear would never have been shown that was just not deemed um showable but he would often see them on tv as well just oh shows. wow but there was something i didn't quite understand or get there was something about film and fashion shows and their relation but also their difference and that fashion shows are for him almost like a film i i didn't quite understand it i don't know whether you remember any more about i remember him there. yeah i think it's I think he was talking about how the fashion show in Falbala, so the one in the film, is very accurate in some ways, but then it's not because you have music, but it's the the music of the film, oh, not yeah. the music mm. of the fashion show. And that when he stages fashion shows, it's like it's as though that's what's in his head, the music of the film of the show. If you said that's what oh, I understood. Okay. It. Mm. So it seems like it's this mix between the fashion show as a fashion show, but also it's almost like in his head it's already playing as a film of a fashion show in his head before he's even done the fashion show. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And again, that's so interesting in terms of when he started that wouldn't have happened. Whereas obviously mm. now it does. I mean, now it's sort of instant, I guess. In the past, you would get glimpses of... Yeah. I don't think when I was younger, I ever saw an entire show on TV or it was only ever sort of snippets, I think. Yes, I think snippets rather mm. than a whole thing. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes sense now because I, I just didn't quite understand what that was, was getting That was at. what I mm. understood from him because it seemed... Because because it was making me think of, you know, the, the amazing, like... I don't know what it was called, the kind of grand finale 
show that he was involved with for oh, Gautier, yes. where mm, the mm. amazing, really long yeah. one. And I was thinking that was almost like a variety show, but as a fashion show. Yeah, and it was... Oh, no, that one wasn't at the Folie Bergère, but he had another one at the no, Folie Bergère. No, but it was, it was as though it was at a theatre. Yeah, maybe it very, was. Very, very theatrical. Because mm. the way they all... because And it was very cinematic as well because that's such a trope within like hollywood musicals and well and and french film of of like 30s 40s 50s where you have people coming down a staircase mm. so you get the kind of drama of them arriving mm. it's like a staircase to nowhere from nowhere to nowhere <laughs> yes but but it's just the drama of people parading down mm. a staircase that he seems to love because i i've also because i've been looking at busby berkeley films recently mm. they they call it a face parade where you know when they go down the corines and they yeah. they in his films they show each woman's face mm. and it was making me think of that as well that that all of those things you can see happening in fashion shows so it's like he it's almost like as a child he responded to the fashion fashioniness of cinema and the cinema-ness of fashion yes and that that that's what's in his mm. mind when he's it didn't seem so much when he's making the actual designs and the no. clothes it seemed like the the presentation the presentation them. you're right yeah and i liked how he talked about how in the past yeah like in the film you have someone standing there and saying the names of the yes. pieces and how he then gave an impression of cardin doing that, that himself brilliant. i love that yeah. i love that because he was sort of talking about i don't know himself and then he sort of put on a voice didn't yeah. he, and said and i want to have a woman who goes to the moon yes <laughs> yeah this dress is for the woman who goes to the moon <laughs> yeah that's it it was so funny it was so funny and it was so unconscious like i don't think he even realized he'd done it no that he put he on another voice automatic and... mm. but but that was also another really lovely thing of watching it is that he acts out everything yeah. that he's talking about. He's living it and he's in the film and he's in the fashion show and he's cutting the fabric and doing it. Because he talked a lot, didn't he, about how realistic the gestures yeah. are That's in Falbala. Mm. That Clarence, the designer, the way he throws the fabric across a table and the way he interacts with the model when he's fitting and things are so well observed. Mm. And that I thought was really beautiful and and I liked because it it's like he's so aware of it as a as a fiction but also appreciating everything he can spot that's that that he can relate to because the way he would say and you know there's so and so the character of the head seamstress and we had a seamstress who was like her mm. who did this and this and it's it's as though he's he's in his own real world thinking well you're you know casting people in the different roles of Falbala yeah and I also really liked I thought it was so interesting when he talked about a particular scene it was also really well done how they cut it together but he talked about yeah. a scene where the couturier is sitting and yes. as a fitting and looking at the model and when he was then talking about the sort of power relation in yes. terms of whether you and he said I was always standing and I was always doing well, he he said partly he was standing because he was the assistant in his early yes. jobs. Yeah. Yes, that was really interesting, wasn't it? So he got in the habit that he stood while the, you know, Kadao or Goma Patu or whoever um, was sitting. Yeah, that was really interesting. Mm. 
really interesting and also um it was interesting when he was saying when he was talking about the period of the film because i can't remember is it 45 the film yeah i think i think yeah. it was maybe even shot the year before or something yeah or, right or it's 46 and was shot 45 yeah something like that but it was interesting when he was saying that the the fabric makers in Lyon oh, yeah. would lend them lend mm. the designers the couturiers the fabric and they would use what they wanted for the samples that were made for the show send back everything else and then it would depend the orders would depend on what the clients asked for it was sort of publicity for the fabric makers yeah i also but maybe i misunderstood i had i i also thought they had lended for the film as well but maybe that's something i misunderstood because there was so much fabric on display well it made sense mm. of there being so much fabric because i can remember when we originally watched the film that, that was something we couldn't believe that they yeah. had so much mm. but but it would make sense if if they'd lent it for the film as well as for the more generally as for fashion shows mm. Yeah, that could be that it could be the same roll of fabric continually being stretched. Yes, it could be. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And I liked how he also talked about the hair and he was yeah, he was also yes. showing with his hands what the hair is like yes. of the women. Yeah. Um the makeup doesn't seem to interest him that much. He didn't No, yeah. he didn't he didn't really go into that, but he did mm. the hair. And it was I liked what he said as well about how the forties because you never uh, usually connect the 40s and 20s, but he was saying it was like a 20s silhouette, but made, but tailored. Yeah, that's true. Which was interesting to think of it in mm. those terms. Yeah. And so funny, his his anecdote about Poiret and I know. Chanel, because there's also a Chanel and Dior anecdote, and I, it made me think, are any of these true, or are they just good jokes? I'd never heard this one. No, um, I hadn't. But what is the Chanel? Do you know the Chanel? Do you remember the, the Chanel, Chanel one? one? Yes, because I quote it in, in Fashion Design Anxiety. It was in Zeffirelli's book. That Zeffirelli in his biography talks about walking down the street with her, with Chanel, at the New Look moment. And that there were two young women in Dior New Look outfits ahead of them. And that Chanel was really kind of, you know, rolling her eyes to him about it. And then one of them picked, dropped her handbag and couldn't pick it up because she was so tightly mm. corseted and that Chanel took enormous pleasure going and picking up the bag and giving it to the woman. Ah, okay. So that's that one. Mm. But then you say the Poiret one because I want to hear it again. So the Poiret one is that they bump into each other on the street and Poiret says to Chanel, oh, madame, why are you in mourning? And she says, I'm in mourning for you. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so mean. <laughs> that, it's so mean, but yeah, so good at the yeah. same time. Yeah, and I you mean, can sort of imagine her say, you, you, you know. You can. Mm, mm. You can. And and honestly, I just want them both to be true. I don't yeah. really mind if they are or not. Let's yeah. let's let's say they are true, mm. I think. There was another yeah. one that I, I, again, didn't totally get, I think. It was something about the wedding dress also standing for something else i think possibly. i think it wasn't it that it stood for the woman he he was in fact obsessed with i i also had the feeling he said something about it standing for fashion itself maybe or oh, maybe not maybe that or really maybe his sense. connection and love to fashion mm, probably misunderstood that because it's quite I, there's another extra on the dvd that's a 
an interview with the with the main actress mm. that I haven't watched yet. And I also I have watched half of, but I'm afraid I give up gave up on. There was one with the director's son who seems very jolly, but he just keeps interrupting what he's saying to say. I just don't like fashion. I'm just not interested. Oh, really? Huh. <laughs> it's like you think, yeah. okay, yeah. we've noted that already. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that that was interesting. And that also had someone reading from his mother, the director's wife's bi- autobiography or her memoirs, where she's saying that her husband took complete control of how she dressed. Really? The film yeah. director. Yeah. Film director's wife. Wow. Yes. Yes. And that, you know, he would he would have clothes sent for her and he would oversee the fitting and everything. So ooh la la to that. Yes. And but it but it also fits with the kind of your love object and and the clothing being an sort of integral part of the, your connection to that person that you see in the film. Yeah, uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier did say that also in this other interview. He did talk about that the film introduced him to the idea of a muse. And, yes. And, and he did take that, he seems to take that quite seriously and you should have a muse, you know, and that, but while at the same time, you know, totally getting and... Um, saying that how this is happening in the film is terrible yes um, good i'm but, glad that yes. was acknowledged <laughs> but but the concept itself he seems to like or i i remember having a disagreement with a student a very amicable one um with a very nice student jessica once because i really don't like the word muse mm. because i think and she was like no because it's a collaboration and, and she was describing what i think that relationship truly is which is collaborative, mm. and and the muse is a participant. That's so but, interesting that you say that. It's the word muse that I don't like because it, for me, it 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 indicates that the woman is just putty. Yeah, no, but th- that's so interesting because they talk about he talks about that in the the interview. He talks about Madonna specifically, right? In in comparison to someone else. And who who hasn't got what Madonna has got, and and he said that she she knew about fashion. Um, he mentions one particular instance where he sort of met her somewhere, and she was looking through a magazine. She said, "Yeah, I want my makeup like that, and I want that, and I want that." And she knew yeah. what she wanted, and yes. she knew about it, and she would also not hesitate messing with his designs and he explained uh, something that again I didn't quite understand but something he made for a tour and then when he saw her wearing it she'd done something to it or she'd oh, added wow. something which she hadn't you know thought of yes yeah. and but she he liked that and he, he said you know it good. was it was a collaboration yeah because to me it's like I mean that's really active ownership and collaboration which is fantastic but to me even if the model doesn't speak that much she's giving her body mm. and responding with gesture and movement and i also think the issue is even if it is a collaboration the designer gets all the credit oh that's true yeah, yeah. that's very true because i was just thinking is of is it true. lulu della falaise or also you know yes, lagerfeld yes, always yes. had these muses and it was mm. and they sometimes in articles you read yeah she's very involved and she's you know, yes, talking like, to him what all a the clever time. girl! Yes, doing exactly. all these things, isn't she clever? Look at her. Yeah, no, it is, and and mm. and yeah, you're absolutely right. And the person is always so and so's muse. Mm. It's never 
that the designer depended upon yeah. this person and what they gave to her to mm. him or her and it's also also do female artists and designers yeah interesting have muses have they muses mm. i guess they do but maybe they don't call them that or maybe yeah. they're not asked about it because yeah. that's a real kind of cliche question isn't it with mm. with interviews with fashion designers it's really annoying i think that they'll say and do you have a woman in mind yes and i know it's like relating it then to the potential consumer and everything but it always i don't know there's something a bit patronizing i think it could be better thought out that question and yeah it's and it's again this kind of idea of a universal woman rather than an individual yeah, woman. That, it's so, you. I think you, you must have also seen the interview uh, sort of transcendentally when I watched it, because he also <laughs> talks about, about that, because he says he was watching when he was younger an interview, or I think he was already designing with right. a, a couturier, and again, exactly that question, so what is your the woman you had in mind? And that person said, oh, she's very feminine and, you know, she she, she likes a lot of, you know, frills. And and, and it, that made him really angry. And, and he thought, no, I don't want that. And what does that mean, feminine, anyway? What is that? Yeah, and, oh, good for him. Yeah, so... You can rely on Gautier. Yeah, exactly, to question everything. But picking yes. up what he, he can use, it was really, yeah, it was really nice, nice thing to do and inspiring. Oh, he is so inspiring and he's just mm. so lovely. Yeah. And and I it's just so inspiring to see one who's someone who's worked in fashion for such a long time who's still so in love with it all. And mm. so yeah, it's like you can feel the ideas sparking as he's speaking that he's thinking of more things that he mm. could do. Ugh, we love Jean Paul Gaultier. Yeah, we do. We do. We really do. He is very firmly in our pantheon. He is. He is. Okay. Wow. Well, I think I think we should go and find very warm sweaters to wear. Yes. And you know, I'll check that Coda's suitably well wrapped in his blanket. Yes. <laughs> and um, I'll speak to you next week. Yes. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.